This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, we begin here in 1 Corinthians 2. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. Now, remember the Apostle Paul before he got born again, he actually consented to the death of a man named Stephen. And the Apostle Paul, man, he was ruthless before he gave his heart to Jesus. So now we begin to watch his writings after he's given his heart to Jesus. Verse number 1. And brethren, fellow believers, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Now, it's interesting right here, he said, I didn't come with excellent speech or wisdom. But the truth of the matter is this, that the Apostle Paul was a scholar. He, he was brilliant in the areas of the Bible. That he was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees, they, they conformed strongly to the law of the Bible or the Word of God. Also, when you study the Apostle Paul's life, he stood under the, the greatest rabbi of the first century, a man named Gamil. So again, when we look at this guy, his gold, he said, wasn't in, in the wisdom of man or his speech. So what was it in? Keep reading with me, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Apostle Paul says here that the things that matter is Jesus Christ and the cross. And I believe that's still the highlights to this day, that if I get away from from Jesus and the cross, I've let people down. He goes on to say, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. It shows that he was, he was a man, that he still had to deal with the things we deal with. Weaknesses and trembling, fear. Verse number four. And my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And, and when I see what he writes there, it's almost like he's, he's saying to the church of all time, but specifically right now, are, are we going to lean more to human wisdom? Or are we going to trust or get back to the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit? And I believe this is where we're at. We're in a, in a time where the church has become more into the intellectual side than the spirit side. And I say that about myself. Verse number 5. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And when I look at this, it's like he gives us two categories. The wisdom of man, or the spirit of God. And it becomes a choice with every one of us. And so when you begin to see what he says, this is where the church that we've moved more to institutionalizing, backsliding, because we've trusted more in the things of man than we have the power of God or the Holy Spirit. And so again today, I believe some of this will be a wake up. I believe with some of you, this will stir back up on the inside. So we keep reading, same chapter, verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of, uh, or the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
You know what he's telling us? The best is yet to come. Get ready. It's going to get better and better. Now, watch what the Apostle Paul says about this. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. He's revealed what to us? The things that eye has not seen nor heard. He's revealed them. And if you look how he's revealed them. Through the Spirit of God. And he goes on to say, For the Spirit of God searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The intimate things of God. And if you'll notice who he said there, the Holy Spirit does this. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? So you know what that's saying? The only one that truly knows what's in a man is the man. Again, right now, I, I, I can look at Dylan. And you may think you can read him on the inside, but the only one that can really understand what's on the inside of him is him. You know how you are right now. You know what's going on the inside. You may be able to come in here and play church right now and act holy and cool, but on the inside, it's turmoil. And maybe no one knows it. Maybe even your spouse doesn't know it, but you know it. Now look at his analogy with this. Even so... No one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So if I truly want to get to a place where I know the things of God, I've got to hang out with the Spirit of God. Now let's just think about what he's saying here. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. The Holy Spirit is from God. Now get that truth right there, right now. The Holy Spirit is from God. The Holy Spirit isn't from the devil. He's from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given us to by God. And so what the Holy Spirit does, He begins to show us the things that God has for every one of us in here. It's revealed through the Spirit of God. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man wisdom or which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, and he compares spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, now what he's going to do here, he's going to give three analogies. He's going to use the natural man, he's going to use the spiritual man, and he's going to use what we call the carnal man. Every one of us sitting in here this morning, we fall in one of these three categories. The natural man is the man that is dominated or controlled only by his physical senses. What I see, what I smell, what I hear, what I feel. So again, if I can't see it, I won't believe it. So watch what he says here about the natural man. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Now before I got born again, the only way I lived was a natural man. I can go back and I can say, I used to think the things of the Spirit of God. It was foolish. Why do people go to church? That's foolish. Why do people trust in a God they can't see? That's foolish. And so again, does that locate you today? 
That located me years ago. That's how I was. He goes on to say, they are foolish, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The only way I'll ever know the things of God is to become a child of God. So the first thing he deals with was the natural man. The second thing is the spiritual man. And the spiritual man, he possesses spiritual maturity. He has a nature within him that responds to the truth, that desires the truth. How many of you here, you want to hear the truth? I love to hear the truth of the Word of God. And the carnal man, now listen to the definition of the carnal man. A carnal man is a believer. One who's born again, but he has childish ways. An immature Christian lives more for human opinion than for Christ. Would that describe you right now? Do you live by the human opinion, the word of man, or do you live for the things of God? And so when I begin to look at all these things that the Apostle Paul begins to talk about, you begin to see a man who was transformed by the Holy Spirit. Paul himself, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, you begin to see right here, he said, man, i got to have the Holy Spirit. It changed the way he thought. It changed the way he lived. And nothing's changed. Now, turn with me to the book of Acts. Chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And as you're turning there, we'll, we'll highlight the Apostle Peter here for a little bit. But as we go through this here this morning, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord Jesus told his disciples, he said, listen, fellas. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be a witness for me into the uttermost parts of the earth. That word power there in the Greek is a word called dunamis. It's the same word we get for dynamite. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive dynamite. Ability. Efficiency. Now, when we think about what he said to him, he was literally telling me, he said, listen, fellas, do not depart from Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit was that critical. And so for them to get to the place of more like me and you, I got to have the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting when Jesus said all this in Acts 1-8, this was his farewell of speech to him. This was the last time he would look at them face to face. So if, if you were on your last day here on earth, now what would your instruction be to your children, to your grandchildren? In my case, it's going to be my great, 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 great grandkids. I'm going to be around here a long time. But if it was the lasting impression you had, what would you tell them? Well, Jesus' lasting impression, he said, boys, you got to get the Holy Spirit. You'll never to be able to fulfill what I have without the Holy Spirit. Now think about this in this sense. Everything that Jesus had always told them, it always happened. Always. I mean, think about this. Jesus looked at him and said, now here's what's going to happen, fellas. I'm going to be betrayed. 
Actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Guess what happened? He did it. Jesus said that I'll be led up and be crucified. Guess what happened? They saw him crucified. You know what he said to him? He said, but boys, listen to me. In three days, I'm going to come back. And after three days, there he was again. So everything that Jesus had always told them happened. So they begin to look and say, okay, the Lord Jesus, his last impressions upon us was, you've got to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, one of those guys that received the Holy Spirit here is a man named Peter. When we studied Peter, Peter was a flop. It was a failure. Peter had a problem of putting his foot in his mouth. How many of you have ever been there? So before the Holy Spirit came into Peter's life, Peter would be better known as Peter the pathetic. But I'm telling you, when Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit, boom, that dunamis, that dynamite went to work in him. Now watch this starting in Acts 2. And, and take off your religious glasses, okay? I don't care what theology you've been taught. Let the Bible teach you this morning. Acts 2. Verse number one. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There was great unity. There was great harmony. It's powerful when there's unity and harmony, even within a church. How many of you figured this out if you've been married very long? It's wonderful when there's harmony. It's the pits when there's disharmony. Look at the hands going up. We all know that. I don't know about you. I like harmony. When there's harmony, God moves. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, if you'll look right here what he's saying, he did not say not a wind, but like the sound of a wind, suggesting the mighty unseen power of the Holy Spirit. You know what he's telling us? Just because you can't see him with his eyes doesn't mean this is real. How many have ever seen the wind? I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. See, this is what he's telling. Man, the Holy Spirit, he showed up. Verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one set upon each of them. And one set upon each of them. Now notice here, it's not fire, but like fire. The same thing that John the Baptist foretold in Matthew 3. But when you begin to see what the fire of the Holy Spirit, it represented his presence. Remember with Moses and the burning bush, it was like, here comes the presence of God. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm out, Pastor, if you're going to talk about speaking in other tongues. Why would you think that? Why would we shut down in the very mention of this when this is found in the Scriptures? Why would we shut this down when the greatest apostle of all, Apostle Paul, said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all do. Now here for a second, I don't want to highlight the manifestations here, okay? 
I don't want to get over on the, the, the fire, the tongues, and, and, and the wind. But the main truth is right here, something supernatural came from heaven. And it gripped these men. And it gripped them so much that it changed them inwardly, but it changed the move of the church in Acts 2. An element of supernatural assistance. A visitation from heaven. As I begin to look at this, after this took place, this great manifestation of heaven, the apostle Peter becomes the spokesperson. Something begins to change within him. And he quotes in Acts 2 verse 17, he, he quotes the prophet uh, Joel in uh, Joel 2. And he says, the spirit of God will be poured out on all flesh. And the young men will see visions. And the old men will dream dreams. I still see visions, okay? You know why I say that? I'm not old. That was supposed to be funny. And he began to speak incredibly by quoting the prophet Joel. And I'm sure the other apostles are looking at him like, what happened to Pete? Who brought him a Red Bull? He's got to be on five-hour energy today. What happened? The only explanation is he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I found out with mankind is when I get filled with the Holy Spirit, He comes on the inside and begins to change me. And He'll change you. Think of this with the Holy Spirit. Reverse it. The Spirit is holy. And who do we try to be to become holy without the Holy Spirit? You can't. You won't. It won't happen. And so the only thing I find that transferred or transformed the church of Acts was these guys got filled with the Holy Spirit. They hung around Jesus, and Jesus told them to do this, and all of a sudden, everything began to change. Now watch what happens here. Acts chapter 2, begin with me in verse 32. This is Peter. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and have received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out, which you now see and you hear. Now, get that right there. Who did it say the Holy Spirit came from? The Father. So when I begin to resist the Holy Spirit, I've resisted what God sent. And he said, they received the Holy Spirit. So for me to receive something again, I must surrender my will. I can't earn it, but I say, okay, Lord, if I need the Holy Spirit, I receive it. I remember as a 20-year-old, that's what happened to me. I wasn't raised in the church. And so they told me, you need to give your heart to Jesus. They told me, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, okay. Now, there's only a few people in my life that truly, truly know the transformation that took place. One of them's my wife. Something began to happen on the inside of me that began to change me from the inside out. 
It was the Holy Spirit. The very thing that Peter said needs to take place. He goes on to say, For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he says to himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they, the people who were hearing what Peter was preaching, heard this, they were cut to heart. It stung them. It pierced their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now when I get ready to read verse 38, nothing has changed. Start with me in verse 38. That Peter said to them, repent, repent, confess your sin. You know, the word repentance is rooted into do a 180, to not only confess your sin, but turn from them. The very first thing he says, repent. But watch in this passage the ands. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You know what that is? That's salvation. That's giving my heart to Jesus. And when it pertains to water baptism, I believe in water baptism. I believe it's biblical. But let me highlight something here today. Water baptism will not save you. Prove it, pastor. Well, think about this when Jesus was on the cross being crucified and the sinner was next to him and he said to him, he said, Lord, remember me today when you get to, to paradise. And Jesus' response to him was, shut up and get off the cross and get water baptized. He didn't say that, okay? When he said that to Jesus, you know what Jesus said to him? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Water baptism seals the salvation. It represents, I went to a water grave and I came up and I'm alive and I'm different, okay? Okay? But look at the next and. And, 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 you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, you got to repent. you got to get saved and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter himself, he knew this. Without the Holy Spirit, you're never going to get to the more that God has for you without him. And so that's what he's saying here. I can tell you, you got to repent. you got to get saved. But you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise... Acts 1-4, the Holy Spirit, is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. So the promise was a gift for every believer in every generation. And when it says the words here of far off, he's addressing the Gentiles. That's you and me. And you know what he's telling us right here? The gift of the Holy Spirit's not only to the Gentiles, it's to every generation and every era throughout history. 
Now, when people say to me, God, he impeached the Holy Spirit. He, he did away with the Holy Spirit. Show me biblically where you can show me that. You can't. Actually, again, this was the promise of the Father, that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what begins to happen to us as human beings? Without the Holy Spirit, we try to do everything out of our abilities, out of our intellectual, out of our wisdom, and it leaves us as failures. Are you trying to do life right now without the Holy Spirit? Turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, as you're turning there, there's a passage of Scripture that, that really began to stick out with me. And this happened to me years ago. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. This was the Apostle Paul. And he said this. He said, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, when he uses the analogy, don't be drunk with wine, to me he's saying, don't be drunk or filled up with the things of the world. You're, you're either going to be filled up with the things of the world, or you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is the analogy the Lord gave me years ago that helped me so much. And, and, and periodically, he'll bring it back to my remembrance. If I was to take a, a glass of water, and I would fill it to the very top, what else could get in that glass of water? Nothing. It's completely filled. So in my life, when I stay completely filled with the Holy Spirit, the temptations of this world, the, the flesh, it can't get in there because I'm full of the Holy Spirit. So the more I stay full of the Holy Spirit, the more the temptation and more my flesh can ever get in. So let me tell you this. When you find yourself yielding to temptations or to your flesh, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, fill me back up, Holy Spirit. Come back on the inside of me. Now, Again, I, I want to highlight this just a little bit. I remember years ago, people were saying, well, those people that get filled with the Holy Spirit and they speak with other tongues, that's of the devil. How many have ever heard that? Well, let, let me give you a little bit of my paraphrased edition. I ran with the devil for about 20 years of my life. I was a drunk. I did drugs. I was sexually immoral. I, was a, I lettered in sin. And all those years I lived in sin, never one time on Friday night did I grab all my buddies and said, Hey, Let's go out and get drunk and pray in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray in tongues. How many of you have ever been to a bar and heard people praying in tongues? I've never heard it. Hey, let's watch this R-rated movie. Let's just pray in tongues. Kind of comical when you think of it in that sense, isn't it? But the man who wrote three-fourths of the Bible, the Apostle Paul said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all do. How about this? The man named Jude. Write this down. It's only one chapter, verse 20. Beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I want you to highlight that because he didn't say just praying. He said specifically praying in the Holy Spirit. So I can tell you right now firsthand, I am a tongue talker. I pray in other tongues. Many times you will not hear me doing it because oftentimes it's a personal prayer language. It's something that happens between me and God. I'm coming home from Clovis the other day. I was going to call my oldest sister. You know what? Since the Holy Spirit told me, don't call her. Just pray in other tongues the whole way home. You know what happens? I, I become so in tune with the things of God. Heaven becomes so real. And, and again, I can't explain it. But I'm going to tell you, it's one of the greatest gifts I've ever had. Don't slam the door to this truth. Don't say, well, the first church of the frozen chosen, they taught this. Well, bedside Baptist, I don't give a flip. Something happens when we just begin to obey the Word of God, okay? Just believe the Word of God. So this, if the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter were filled with the Holy Spirit, don't you think you ought to be? Well, pastor, I don't understand. I didn't either. Until I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling the Word of God begin to come alive with me. There's times in my, I'll get so caught up in praying in the Spirit, and I pray in the Spirit a lot at Walmart. Lots of times. <laughs> Keep my flesh under, Lord. And there's times I'll get loud. I won't even realize it. And Shelly will turn around and she'll go, shh. And, and the guy's stalking, he'll look up at me like, are you German? No, I'm not German. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Full of God. Full of God. Let me move on before we get in trouble. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren... Fellow believers, warn those who are unruly. Warn those and advise those who are out of line. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Is that possible? When I read, be patient with all, is that possible? It has to be. Or he wouldn't have given us that exhortation. Be patient with all. I can tell you this right now. You know where this leads to? The Holy Spirit. You think you're going to be patient on your own ability? You just wait till those little blessings start getting under your skin a little bit. And you'll see what patience is. Holy Spirit, you've got to help me. Help me be patient. Now watch what he goes on to say. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Is that possible? Render evil for evil? I looked at that. I said, well, you've got to be kidding. Let me tell you this. This is a true story. Years ago, I was at a ball game with my daughters and some things happened and this referee kicked me out of the gym. It was, a, it was a happy day walking in front of all the people knowing this guy's kicked me out of the gym. Well, the truth of the matter is, and this is the truth, I was being good to him. I was trying to help him. 
I knew the guy. It was a Friday night. And the man full of God, you know what I said? I said, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to whip his butt. I'm going to get him. I'm, I was so mad, I thought, I'm, I'm going to make him pay. So I go to church on Sunday morning. I'm sitting in the first service, and the Holy Spirit starts dealing with me. And he said, I want you to go and, and tell him you forgive him. I said, I'm not going to tell him forgive him. I'm going to tell him I'm going to whip his rear. I'm going to get him. The Holy Spirit keeps, this is the truth. This is how God would deal with me. I just sensed the Holy Spirit begin to work on me. So I knew where he worked. I don't know if you've ever been to the mall in Clovis. It's, it's a, I don't know that we should call it a mall. But I knew where he worked. And there are doors open, and I opened with the doors, and I went walking in, and this young guy sees me. Now, this is my paraphrase edition. He peed himself when he saw me. He was shook. He looked like, oh, no. And I said to him, I said, dude, I didn't come to whip you, which he knew I could. Pastor, did you have a little bit of that? I had a lot of that in me. And I said, I need to apologize to you. And he looked at me like a cow at a new gate, like you're going to do what? I said, dude, I'm sorry for the way I acted toward you. So I went home that day, and I walked in, and Shelly said, where have you been? I said, I've been up at the mall. And she said, what have you been doing? And I told her, and she said, there is a God. There is a God. Again, when you look at this, you think, is this possible? Yeah, it's possible with the Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh, you guys get me telling stories. i got to move. Verse 16, rejoice always. Is that possible? The word rejoice is rooted in the word joy, and joy was one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. So for me to rejoice, it's going to take the Holy Spirit. Birth within me joy. He goes on to say next, he said, pray without ceasing. Now that's cross-referenced to Ephesians 6, 18, which is part of your armor. That I'm to pray, and I'm to pray, and I'm to pray. But in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, the Apostle Paul said this, I will pray in my understanding, and I'll pray in my spirit. So what was he talking about? Well, to pray in my understanding, my natural tongue is English. Actually, that's my only tongue. And so to pray in my understanding would be, Father God, I thank you for this food today. I thank you for blessing my family. But to pray in the spirit is to yield to the Holy Spirit and ask him to give you the unction on the inside. He's not going to do it. He's going to pray through you to do it. Why is that important? Because Romans 8, 26 says, there's days in my life I don't know what to pray. How many have ever been there? I'm there almost every day. I don't know what to pray. But he said, in your weakness, the Holy Spirit will pray through you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the one who knows the secret things of God. So when you yield and say this, oh God, I don't know what to do with Shelley anymore. Give me unction to pray in the Spirit. She didn't do that to me. I'm making that up. He said, Lord, pray through me. Holy Spirit, give me unction. I've been woke at, at three in the morning. People call or people say stuff. You got to pray. You got to pray. I don't know what to pray. But the Holy Spirit does. Ooh, he'll use you as a vessel here on this earth. And you know what? Sometimes you'll know what's going on. And sometimes you just say, okay. 
in everything give thanks. Now look at that. He said in everything. He didn't say for everything. He said in, in everything. So guess what? Evil's not from God, so I shouldn't thank him for it. But what I thank God for is that I know God's going to get me out. God's going to move in the situation. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And now we get to the last part. Do not quench the Spirit of God. Do not put out. Do not extinguish. Do not subdue. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Actually, it'll take us back into Ephesians 4.30 where we were a week ago. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So when you begin to see what he's talking about, many times we quench the Spirit because we compromise. So you know what that's saying? The Holy Spirit's saying, I want to help you. I want to help you to walk in love. I want to help you to forgive. I want to help you with patience. I want to help you to pray, to rejoice. But you stiff arm me. You hold me at a distance. And remember in John 16, verse 7 and 8, the Lord Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, I can't send you the helper. He called the Holy Spirit the helper. So anytime we stiff arm the Holy Spirit, we're saying, I don't want your help. And he said the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin. I don't want to repent. So when I stiff arm the Holy Spirit, I quench him. I can tell you this right now. Every one of us in this room have quenched him. One time or another. Can I get him back? Absolutely. And it said, Father God, I repent for quenching the very breath of God in me, the very life of God in me. I, I repent for trying to be a great daddy without the Holy Spirit. I repent for trying to be a great husband without the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, something happens when we just begin to obey the Scripture and say, Lord, I need you. Let me ask you something. How many of you fully understood salvation when you got born again? Some, I didn't. I just knew I was a sinner, and they said, this guy named Jesus died for you, and he would really help you. And I said, I'm in. I need all the help I can get. But the longer I've gone in this life, the more I begin to understand salvation. It's the same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus would be filled with the Spirit. Pastor, I was taught, man, he's dead. He's not. Well, whoever taught you that, they lied. I can't find that in the New Testament. And so you begin to study this and you see how the Holy Spirit changed Peter and he changed Paul and he changed the church. That's what he's wanting to do right now. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.